God bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you so much to our worship team, Brother Andrew, Brother John, Sister Kim. We thank the Lord for the good presence of God we feel. Every, every time we come into this place, there's a beautiful presence of the Lord. Amen. And we thank the Lord for it. Tonight we're continuing our series concerning the nature of God. And we're going to be dealing with the subject, God is love. God is love. We began speaking uh, on the subject, God is one. That's always the foundation upon which uh, we stand, that God is one. Amen. How many believe in one God? And then we know, thank God, that he is great. You know, if he's one, he's great. Because there is a lot that he is, of course, responsible for. And so much is subject to him. And uh, he does not have a committee of gods doing this work for him. He is God, as the, as the elders would say, all by himself. So God is one. God is great. And tonight we're going to speak about God is love. This is one of the most remarkable statements in the scriptures. God is Love, And I will go further to say that uh, it is a very misunderstood statement in the scriptures. Uh, I'll also say that many people are hesitant even to uh, speak on the subject of God is love because of the fact that this verse of scripture perhaps has been uh, repeatedly abused by people who would like to justify a lifestyle that is contrary to the precepts of God. And to justify that lifestyle, they will uh, sometimes fall back on this scripture and say God is love. Now, it is true that God is merciful, but the love of God encompasses more than just his mercy. And yet it does involve his mercy. But God is love, and the scripture teaches us that. Before we go any further, I want to read to you a foundational scripture from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And this, of course, seems to be the foundational scripture for, upon which all of our understanding about God uh, is built upon the foundation of this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And verse 1, or pardon me, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So the Lord teaches the children of Israel that they shall love him with all of their heart, all of their soul, and all of their might. Now this, of course, I will tell you, is a tall order. This is a command from God. As a matter of fact, when asked what is the greatest command, Jesus rightly responded with this verse of Scripture. Out of all the commands he could have chosen, perhaps you have a preference concerning the commands of God. They weren't asking him, what's your favorite command? They were asking him, what is the greatest command? The Pharisees challenged him with this in the, when he walked the earth. And he rightly responded because he was the author of the law. He knew the answer to this question. And his response was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shall you serve. You shall love him with all of your heart. You shall love him with all of your soul. And you shall love him with all of your might. And then he answered something that they didn't ask. He said, And the second is like unto the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now what he was saying was, you can't separate these two commands. One 
which is loving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and might, it actually naturally flows into the other, which is to love your neighbor even as you love yourself. And so the Lord was letting them know that this is the greatest command, and he gave the reason for why this was the greatest command. He said, upon these hang all the law and the prophets. So these two commands, loving the Lord with all of your heart, soul, might, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself, these two commands, upon them hang all the law and all the prophets. There is, there is nothing that will go unfulfilled in your life, spiritually speaking, if you keep these two commands. You don't have to itemize the commands of God and try not to steal, because if you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal from them. You don't have to itemize the, the commands and, and, and try your hardest not to, uh, you know, to make unto thee any graven image. Or have another God before the Lord, because if you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might, then you will not do that, because upon these hang the law, and all the law, and the prophets. So, so while that sounds easy enough, you know, that sounds kind of, he simplified it for us. He just said, look, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the shortcut. Love God with all your heart, soul, and might. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you got it. You got it. You're doing good. You're doing, you're doing good. Uh, and yet, I want to submit to you that that is impossible for your flesh to achieve. It is impossible for your flesh to achieve. Did you hear what he said was the greatest command? To love the Lord with all your heart. To love the Lord with all of your soul. To love the Lord with all of your might. This is, this is impossible for the human being to achieve. Because, because, first of all, what is my heart and what is my soul? I can somewhat understand about my might, my strength. I can put effort and energy into trying to love the Lord. But, but when you're talking about the heart and the soul, you are talking about invisible parts of a person. And it is impossible for me to reach into myself and, and take this, this intangible thing called a heart. You, you and I don't even know how to deal with the spiritual heart. You go ahead and Google heart specialist Cincinnati, Ohio, and there'll be plenty of names, plenty of numbers. And, and you can call them up and tell them that you're trying to get your heart in order, and you can schedule an appointment. But when you get there, they're going to treat something different than what you are trying to find help for. There's only one who can deal with your heart. There's only one who can deal with your soul. Only one who can deal with the invisible parts of you. And so you and I do not have it within our human capacity to, to love God with all of our heart, our fallen nature prevents us from doing so. So I go back to what I said originally. A lot of people don't even like to use this term, God is love. A lot of people don't like to teach about God is love. I've even heard preachers say, we've heard enough about love. And, and, and the truth of the matter, ladies and gentlemen, is that if you really understand the love of God, then you understand that it is the great balancing of our life. And it is the truth of Almighty God. And there is no flaw in it. You know, we use the words unconditional love. Now, I'm going to cross some thinking, I'm sure. The Bible doesn't use that terminology. The Bible uses the terminology perfect love. Not unconditional love, but perfect love. Now, I don't altogether know the difference, except that I know God operates in the realm of perfect love. His love is perfect. Whatever that is, it's perfect. I know that my human mind and my human spirit cannot attain unto it by itself. 
I have to have his assistance in arriving at perfect love. And so, so we, we want to look at this, this matter very closely because God gives us an order, a command that we cannot keep in our human flesh to love him with all of our heart, to love him with all of our soul. Our heart is so divided. In fact, our heart would be incapable of doing anything with all of itself because of how broken it is, because of how divided it is. Anybody ever had a broken heart? Go ahead, raise your hand, kind of wave it at me just so you, I know we're on the same page. That fracturing of the human heart is a deeper condition than what you and I give it credit for. It is the root of all of our dysfunction and all of our, our problems and all of our, uh, uh, you know, what some would call our idiosyncrasies. It is, a, it is the root of it. It's this broken heart. As a matter of fact, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why there are people who are double-tongued because their heart is broken and they speak from a, a, double, a double-tongued uh, heart. This is, two, this is why people are called, we call them two-faced. Or they speak out of both sides of their mouth. This is a condition of a broken-hearted person. They're guarding themselves in certain settings and circles and They are trying to prevent others from seeing the real them because they opened themselves up in the past only to have their heart broken. And so they they, they deal with this. The Bible refers to a double-minded man as being uh, unstable in all of his ways. And and so so there are a lot of symptomatic uh, conditions that result from a person having a broken heart and probably the most destructive Uh, result of a person having a broken heart is that they are incapable of doing anything with all their heart this is why so much of what they do we call them we call it half-hearted efforts because they are not able to take all of their heart because it is so fragmented and so broken and so many pieces have been pushed aside throughout their throughout their life They're unable to give a wholehearted effort to the total uh, spectrum of life. And so this is where God comes into the picture. God has to heal our hearts. God has to pick up the broken pieces of our heart. God has to reach back into our past and and pick up the pieces that were chipped off and that were cut off and that, that were fractured. And he has to put it back together. His invisible hands have to take our invisible heart And with those invisible pieces that we won't even know how to locate, he puts it all back together. And hallelujah, I want you to know God can heal abuses that happened decades ago. And God can heal wounds that took place years in your past. And God can reach down into invisible parts of you where nobody is allowed to travel. And he can put you back together again. Hallelujah. He is the mender of the broken hearts, the healer of the broken hearts. And so we are incapable of of loving God with all of anything until he touches us. So what we do many times is we try to love him with all our hearts. Let me tell you something. And I want to say this. I want you to to get this. I I want you to believe this. If you don't love him with everything, then you're not actually loving him. See, this is why people have a problem with the term God is love. And I've heard people say, uh, don't give me none of this God is love stuff. Well, yeah, I'm going to give you God is love stuff. It's scripture. And we're going to get into that scripture here in a moment because the Bible is emphatic about it. God is love. But, but the reason that people are scared of it is because they, they, they don't understand what kind of love we're talking about. See, we think we're talking about human love. Let's make it clear. God is not human love. God is love. There's a difference between love and human love. Human love, you know, everybody thinks they know what what love is. And I don't know who sang it, but maybe Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra. Love is a many splendored thing. I don't know how many marriages they had or not, but just don't know if I'm going to take their word for their 
concept of it. And um, I don't know, I, Elvis said he was a hunk of hunk of burning love. I don't know if he quite had a full understanding of love. In another song, he said he couldn't help falling in love. I just can't help falling in love. I just don't think the world understands what they're talking about when they talk about love. They have it all mixed up and turned, turned around and, and they, they have it connected to human emotion. They have it connected to what, to what they feel when they're with an individual. And then they, they, they end up uh, abandoning themselves to those feelings that they have only in time to see those feelings wane. And they wonder what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You loved them with human love. And human love wanes. Human love breaks down. Human love is easily offended. Human love is fickle. Human love will leave you stranded. When I say God is love, I don't mean God is human love. I mean God is real love. Divine love. Perfect love. The, the kind of love that holds a person together. The kind of love that is with you through thick and thin. The kind of love that can pull you out of the most devastating circumstances you've ever faced in your life. I love the scripture that says, while we were yet in sin, Christ died for the ungodly. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for the ungodly. You know what's amazing about that? I mean, we can quote that and move on. You know, that's a good little bit of information. But, but the reason that we can move on so easily is because we have forgotten to remember how much God hates sin. Sin is so contrary to God. It, 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 it's so contrary to God. So the fact that while we are not just, not just around sin or sin is around us, we are sinners. We are Doers of sin. God commends his love toward us. It's an amazing miracle that a perfect God, infinite God, perfect, splendid. In fact, we're going to teach our next session on God is holy. And, and, and we're going to get into the holiness of God. But, but, but let me just say, his holiness is far and above anything you and I can, can even imagine. And, and so for him to commend himself to us while we were sinners and to love us is just simply nothing short of a miracle. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4 and we're going to begin uh, a reading from the 7th verse. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. Beloved, now notice that I love the way he starts it off, beloved. You know, you, that's what he calls us, beloved. You are the loved, the loved of God. You are the loved of God. That's what he's telling you. Hey, you that are loved of God, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now, it's important that we know who we're, who we're reading about. We're reading the words of John. John was the great apostle who, unlike any of the other disciples, found himself stationed at the foot of the cross through the most uh, treacherous part of Calvary's suffering. And he did not leave, but instead he saw the love of God on fullest display. Nobody, nobody, saw the love of God as clearly as the Apostle John. And so this is why he could not stop talking about it. It was always on his lips. It was always in his mind. He put pen to paper, and he just couldn't help but record words like, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's in his gospel account. He recorded the words of Jesus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. These are the words of Jesus that John remembered, that John recorded. And his first epistle is 
full, and I'm going to try to get into some of it, but I, I wouldn't be able to cover all of it in one Bible study. It is full of references to the love of God. And the most profound statements we have known concerning the love of God come from John, who saw love in its most, in its most glorious state and in its, in its fullest display on Calvary's cross. He saw the blood, the sweat, the tears of love. First John chapter 4, verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Now that's, that's huge. That's really important. Because it doesn't matter how much you know about God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. That God, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Now, the truth of that statement is so powerful. Because sometimes we get into the habit of, and I'll say it this way, of really taking pride in how much we love God. We're so much better than the person next to us because they don't love God and we do love God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to understand the fact that we love God is a miracle. And it is the gift of God to us that we love God. It isn't, it isn't something generated from the goodness of our being that we love God. What goodness of our being? Have we forgotten who we are? Without God? Have we forgotten that we're the wretch undone without God? Have we forgotten that we have no hope without God? Have we forgotten that no good thing comes from our flesh? Have we forgotten that no holy thing can come from our flesh? We don't take pride in how much we love God. We are humbled by the fact that God would commend his love toward us and give us an opportunity to have something inside of us so beautiful as the love for God. Because he tells me, love me with all your heart. No, let me back up. He didn't say it that way. He said it this way. You shall love me with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And, and that's what he said. You shall love me. So it was, it was a commandment, but, but did you hear the promise? Did you hear the promise in the commandment? You shall love me. See, brethren, when you started to court your wife, you didn't walk up to her and say, love me, woman. It's not how that went down. I, you might act like that's what you did, but I, I beg to differ. I, she wishes she had a phone just to capture the whole pitiful uh, episode of all your efforts at trying to woo her and win her and get her attention and and, and you're nervous and you're, you're trying to make her know you're worth her while. You're worth her time. You're worth her attention. And, and all the insecurities that you might have, they're, you're fighting them, swallowing them down, trying to gain the gumption to walk up and make her realize why you are somebody she should love. And, 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 and hopefully you succeeded in that. And uh, it looks like several did. But... The fact of the matter is that's the way it is with God. God wooed us. He didn't walk up to us and say, love me. He walked up to us and said, when this thing is over, when you get done hearing my truth, when you get done hearing my gospel, my good news, when you get done understanding who I am and what I've done for you, listen, I got news for you. You shall love me. You shall love me with all of your heart. You shall love me with all of your soul. You shall love me with all of your might. So yes, it was a command, but it was also a promise. It was like, I know. Listen, let me tell you the people who don't love God, the ones who don't understand his gospel. If the gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Because when people do understand his gospel, when the light of his gospel enlightens them and reveals itself to them, something happens, something's triggered inside of them, and all of a sudden there's a seed of love that's planted inside of them, and they, in turn, 
begin to love God with a love they never had in them before they heard of his love for them. This is why it's important to preach the love of God. It's the only thing that the carnal mind can hear. The love of God. The love of God. Preach about Jesus. Hallelujah. Preach about the blood of Jesus. It's not by accident that there are certain themes that reach the lost. Somebody walks into the house of God and, and, and you know, I'm all, we all, I'm all for practical applications of the scriptures. But when we're preaching to the lost, there's only one message that can touch the lost condition of humankind. And that is the love that God has for them. Despite where they are, despite what they're going through, despite what they're dealing with, regardless of what they've done, regardless of their lifestyle, regardless of what habits they have formed in their life, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Preach it. Sing it. Declare it. Teach it. Live it. Treat them that way. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And you put enough of the love of God in somebody's heart. And that's what gives them the ability to start loving him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, so the Bible says the miracle is not that we love him. Who couldn't love him? The great I am, the mighty God, the almighty, the everlasting father, the prince of peace who manifested himself in human flesh and went to an old rugged cross to pay the penalty we owed. Who wouldn't love him? That's not the miracle that we love him. The miracle is that he would look down on a, a dirt bag, literally a dirt bag like me, made from the dust of the ground, who's arrogant and ignorant and sarcastic and, and snide, and he would love me and pull me up out of my own self-inflicted problems. That's the miracle. Not that we love him, but that he loves us. Hallelujah. In verse number 10, herein is love. Not that we loved God. Don't be proud of how much you love God. Be thankful that he loves you and that he gave you the opportunity to love him. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. Again, he calls us beloved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man, listen to this, no man hath seen God at any time. He's letting us know that people can't see the invisible God. The love of God in us is how they see the invisible God. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby we know that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and we have believed the love that God hath to us. And here it is again. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I love that statement. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because that runs contrary to the way we think about judgment, right? Everybody, everybody real quick, just, just imagine yourself standing in judgment. Standing before the great white throne, standing on the day of judgment, having the books open wide. And if you can really see yourself there, you're thinking, you're wringing your hands. Oh no, what's going, what's going to be brought up? What, what, how far back we going here, God? And, and oh no, 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 in that file cabinet. No, 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 no. I mean, we're, we're just, we don't know what's going to, and, and we're afraid there's going to be stuff we forgot about. And it's all going to come out. And, and John is saying that in us, the love of God is perfected to the point that not only will we not be wringing our hands in judgment, we will have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, folks, I preach Sunday night on the judgment of God. 
and you could feel the presence of the Lord to to we could feel the fear of the Lord and 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 and, and it's a it's not a bad thing it's a healthy thing but but concerning the judgment of God God wants to so perfect his love in you that when you walk into judgment you don't walk in sweating bullets you don't walk in with hands ringing and nervous stomach but that you walk into judgment and you say good to see you God hallelujah hey judge here comes the judge. I'm so glad to see you. Been waiting for a long time for this day. I know that you love me. And I love you. I didn't know how to love you before you loved me. But you taught me how to love. And now, because you taught me how to love, I love you. Hallelujah. With what the Bible calls an unfeigned love. I'm not worried about how this is going to go down today. Because, because I've made my peace with God. And in him have I put my trust. Hallelujah. And I have faith in his grace. And so I have boldness, boldness in the day of judgment. Hallelujah. Because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear. See, these are a lot of love statements in the scriptures that you've heard through the years and maybe didn't know they were all like within eight verses of one another. Because we're reading from the man who stood at the cross. And if you want to know the love of God in a place, in, in, in a revelatory way, stand at the cross for a little while. And you'll see love like you've never known love. Hallelujah. Every institution of humanity is to reveal to us the love of God. This is why when there's a breakdown in a particular human relationship... It distorts an individual's understanding of God's love. This is why it is very important for husbands to love their wives. Wives to love their husbands. Wives, mothers to love their children. Fathers to love their children. Friends to love one another. Brothers and sisters, naturally and spiritually, to love one another. Because Every human relationship we have is to demonstrate the love of God. Hallelujah. I thank God for godly parents because they taught me the love of God. I, 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 got, a, I got a front row seat concerning the love of God by how they submitted themselves to God and were able to love me like he loves me. And, and then when my children were born... I've said it before, you know, in the old Dr. Seuss story, the Grinch, not the Bible, I almost said the Bible says, Lord help us. (laughs) Dr. Seuss says. (laughs) See what I mean? You don't need to take my word for it. You need to get in this book and make sure I'm in the book. (laughs) Amen. I just can't find the Grinch anywhere. It's not in the concordance or anything. I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) But Dr. Seuss said that his heart grew three times bigger. And that's what it felt like when my children were born. I, I, I was just a young man. I didn't, know, I didn't even know what this love was like until my children were born. And, and it was like all of a sudden this love just started growing inside of me. And I thought, I, where did this love come from? It's the gift of God. And he's letting me understand how he sees me. And here this child that is born into the world who has done nothing to earn my love, has has never given me a compliment, has never given me a gift, has never obeyed me, has never, there there has been nothing they have done to, to gain my love and yet I will give my life for them. That's the love of God and he let me feel it for myself so that I could understand how he loves me. And how he loves you. See, you don't have to earn God's love. God just simply does love you. He just simply does love you. It is a perfect love. And so, so the scripture teaches us there is no fear in love. Be settled in that. He loves me. He loves me. You remember when, when uh, John, again, we go back to John. John was at the foot of the cross. Remember, Peter was not at the foot of the cross. Peter did one of the most uh, horrible things recorded in the scriptures he denied Jesus when when the going got tough he denied Jesus three times Jesus said he would do it Peter said I won't do it he did do it the rooster crowed 
oh my goodness, I, I'm a failure. And he ran, he wept bitterly. And, and of course, the amazing grace that, God, that Jesus showed him when he came forth from the dead was just beautiful. And, but, but, but when news reached Peter and John that Jesus had risen from the dead, the Bible describes that Peter and John both ran to the tomb and that John outran Peter to the tomb. I think the reason that John outran Peter to the tomb was because he had no hesitation in his step because he was at the foot of the cross. He was like the little girl with the rose petals. He loves me. Peter was. He loves me. He loves me not because Peter had just denied Jesus. So, so he's Jesus, so he loves me. But I did deny him, so he loves me not. But, I mean, he's Jesus. He's got to love me, so he loves me. But I am just, I'm just, I'm good for nothing, so he loves me not. So there's a hesitation in his step. There's no hesitation in John's step. It was simply settled. He loves me, 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 he loves me. He loves me. I know, as I was at the foot of the cross, that's how you have to be. You have to be settled in your spirit. He loves me. 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 Run to his tomb and see the glory of his resurrection because he loves you. Regardless of what you've done or where you've been, run to this altar. Boldly approach the throne of grace. Come before his presence with singing. Call upon his mighty name. And let me tell you something. I'm not talking about human love again. I'm talking about godly love, perfect love. And in this love, there is obedience. Notice, if you will, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. We're going to come back to 1 John 4. 1 John 5 verse 3, or verse number 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Verse 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. That's how you know you love God. Ladies and gentlemen, it's hard to know whether you love God or not. It's hard to know whether you love God because just saying, I love you, God, you can say you love anything. I mean, some of you said today you love Chick-fil-A. And that was just when you were hungry. When you were done, you didn't love it anymore. You couldn't wait to get out of there. But, but, you don't know, just saying it doesn't mean it. You can, just, you can have a fondness for things or people and not have real perfect love. So just saying I love God doesn't necessarily mean that you love God. But, but, but he gives us the indicator for how we know that we love God. He said, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So when his commandments are grievous to keep, you've got a love issue. Not towards somebody near you, but to God. You've got a love issue with God. When his commandments are grievous to us, that's how we know we are not made perfect in love. Verse number uh, 19 Verse number 18, there is no fear in love of, of chapter 4 because perfect love casteth out fear. Fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now verse 19 is, is very important to hear and understand. We love him because he first loved us. Now, that always, that always tripped me up at first, you know, years ago, I would think. I don't understand that scripture. Because I always thought, I, I, I love him. Whether he loves me or not, I'll love him. It's not how it goes. You know why we love him? Because he loves us. You know why we praise him? Because he's worthy. You know why we sing and serve the Lord, we sing his praises because he has earned our praises. He has earned our love. Unlike us who have not earned his love, he's earned our love. We love him because when we were unlovable, he first loved us. Now, I could go a long time on the term first love because 
Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, you have left your first love. And, and, and he does not talking about puppy love or infatuation or that, that little feeling you get in your stomach when you, when you love somebody for the first time. That's not what he's talking about. First love is the love that God has for us. That's first love. First love is not you loving him. First love is him loving you. So the scripture says, if a man say, I love God, hateth his brother. Uh-oh, ready? Everybody get ready. He's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God love his brother also. So if his commandments are grievous to you, then you need to pray and ask God to perfect his love in you. If there is fear in you, you need to pray and say, God, help me be perfected in love. Because somewhere, somehow, I'm not, something's not persuading Somehow I'm not persuaded that you love me like I know you love me. Because there's fear here. And so when, when you understand the depth of his love for you, you understand there's nothing to fear. And thirdly, when you don't love your brother, you've got a love issue with God. See, God won't even let you love him until you love your brother and your sister. So you go, it's like the guy... It's like the guy who was, you know, yelling at his wife on the way to church. And, and uh, he was griping, grumbling, complaining, and yelling at her and not being nice. And they walk into church, and when the music starts, he just lifts up his hands. And after service, he, she brought him up to the pastor and said, And pastor, now wait, I need your help. Because he was so, he was awful on the way to church. And he walks in here, and he acts like everything's fine. And, and the pastor looked at him and he said, well, I didn't have a problem with God. I had a problem with her. And that's the way we are a lot of times. We, we, I don't have a problem with God. It's you who I won't speak to. It's you who I won't forgive. It's you who I'm going to hold a grudge against. It doesn't work like that. You can't, just, you can't hate your brother and then come loving on God. God says, oh, no, 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 no. No, you got, you got something's out of order. This is perfect love we're talking about. And in perfect love, you love your brother, you love your sister, and then you can love the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's continue on. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. How can you teach about love and not go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Let's go there and let's, let's, I hate to say it this way, but we're going to run through it quickly. All I'm going to say about 1 Corinthians 13 is, is we're going to read through this and we're going to see how much this resembles the kind of love we're showing to people. Because this is perfect love. We're getting ready to read perfect love as it is detailed in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not agape, charity, love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. That's, that's, that's pretty intense. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. The Apostle Paul is getting real and he's getting up in our, our business And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. How many of us can say we've done that? Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned. How many of us can say we've done that? And have not love. It profiteth me nothing. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love is Envies not, love vaunts not itself, love is not puffed up, love does not behave itself unseemly, love seeks not her own, love is not easily provoked, love doesn't think any evil, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things, love never fails. My Lord have mercy. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. But love never fails. Now, see, prophecy and tongues, those are things the Lord has given to the body of Christ as we operate in the Spirit on the earth. But notice, he's getting ready to talk about 
what's going to happen once we're not on earth. They shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child. He's talking about us in this state of being. We're like children, but when I became a man, when we grew up under that perfect man of the fullness of the stature of the measure of Jesus Christ, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. And then he says this, and now, right now, abide of faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You want to know why love is the greatest? Because in heaven, there'll be no need for faith. In heaven, there'll be no need for hope. The scripture says we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. We will see everything as it is. Therefore, we will no longer need hope. We will no longer have hope. Hope will have served its purpose. Faith is the substance of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. No need for faith, no need for hope. What we will have in heaven is love. You won't need any faith in heaven. Everything that you need faith for on earth, it will all be fulfilled in heaven and you won't even need faith. You won't need any hope. You need hope now. You need faith now. You need love now. But when you get to that glorious place, there won't be any faith, won't be any hope, but there will be love. Love is the greatest of these. So here... Folks, love suffers long. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. Love doesn't, doesn't vaunt itself or is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, is not provoked, doesn't seek her own, doesn't think any evil, doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if you're like me, I'm hearing this and I'm thinking, wow. I got a long way to go just to be like my Lord. Because I struck out in verse 1. And and so what do I do about this? How do I get this? That's what I'm saying. This love that 1 Corinthians 13 is not talking about human love. God is the love that 1 Corinthians 13 is talking about. That's what the scripture means. God is love. So you want to know how you're not easily provoked? God. You know how you don't envy? God. You know how you bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things? God! He's the love in you that allows you to, to, to love with a perfect love. You know, don't, don't, don't do your spouse the disservice of loving them with your human love. That, 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 that's fine for a little while, but that will wane. And it'll be broken, it'll be shattered, it'll be crushed. You'll be easily provoked, easily offended, easily hurt. And distrust will develop and hurt feelings will develop. Love them with the love of God. And when you love them with the love of God, that's that's the love that lasts and lasts and lasts. Because that's an eternal love. Oh, hallelujah. Don't give your children the disservice of loving them with human love. Love them with the love of God. Don't give your friend. Don't, 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 don't waste their time with human love. Human love only goes so far. You can love them with human love, but don't let that be all that it is. Love them with the love of Almighty God. That love that weeps when they weep. That love that rejoices when they rejoice. That love that is a shoulder they can cry on. That love that sticks closer than a brother. You know, the scripture says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we always said that's God, that's Jesus. And that's true, it is. But it, it, it can also be you. You can also be the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So this is the, the love of God. God is the love that suffers long. God is the love that envies not. Let's turn to John chapter 21. And I am, I'm... I'm moving along here quickly quickly amen how do I know if I love God John chapter 21 gives us another indication 
See, see, I don't know. I can't gauge whether I love God or not in my human flesh. I just can't gauge it. I love you, God. And, and you know, 15 minutes later, I'm afraid of, of something. The scripture says, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. I love you, God. And next thing I know, I'm mad, so mad at my brother or sister in the Lord that I'm refusing to talk to him. No, see, something's not right. I have to know from the scriptures, how do I know whether I love God? So verse 15 of John 21, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Now, if we want to get real deep here, we could talk about the fact that they were describing two different loves. God was talking about perfect love. Jesus was referring to perfect love. And Peter was referring to human love. And so, not only was he telling him how to know whether or not he loved God, which was to feed God's sheep, but he was also teaching him how to develop that love. And that was to feed God's sheep. You want to know how to develop a love for God? Feed his sheep. Bless people. Love people. You will, you, will, you will never be more blessed in your life than when you extend love to somebody. You'll walk out of that place and you'll feel so good. I just feel so good. I just, did, I just loved somebody. What you're doing is you're learning how to love God when you love people. We're going to move to Romans 5 and verse 5. And this is going to teach us again how the love of God can become, a, become us. It can consume us. It can live in us. Romans 5 verse 5. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. The love of God is not something that you just flip a switch in your mind and all of a sudden you love God. No, it is the Holy Ghost inside of you that sheds abroad the love of God in your hearts. That's how your heart loves the Lord with all of itself. That's how you love Him with all of your mind and soul and strength because the Holy Ghost is shedding the love of God abroad in your hearts and, and that's how you are able then to love God with all of your heart. If you've got the Holy Ghost and your love has run cold, the scripture teaches us how to deal with that. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, the apostle Paul told Timothy, he said, to stir up the gift that is inside of you. Stir it up. Don't let it lie dormant, but stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost, it gives you love for your neighbor. And it gives you love for God. It gives you love for your spouse. It gives you love for your child. It gives you love. It gives you love for the prisoner. It gives you love for the beggar. It gives you love for the sinner. It gives you love to whosoever will. It fills you with the love of God. And folks, you better have the love of God inside of you. Listen to what the scripture says in 1 John chapter 2. The scripture says to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. The love of the Father is not in them, but the love of God when it is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost can do a great work in us. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. The only glimpse of God this world will ever receive is of us loving one another. And doesn't the world need that right now? Doesn't the world need to see God in us right now? Could we lift our hands to the Lord in this place and ask God to pour his love out upon us in the precious name of Jesus?
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's love him together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Let's love him together right now. Hallelujah. Blessed be his holy name. Oh, blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. Come on, I think we should thank God for loving us. I think we should praise him for loving us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He commended his love toward us. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. You know, I'm convicted by the the teachings of Jesus. Jesus spoke concerning the man that was beaten on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was beaten and left, the Bible says, half dead. And there was a Levite that passed by. And there was a certain priest that passed by. And they were, they were too busy. And, and, and the fact of the matter is, their busyness prevented them from doing the work of God. The fact of the matter is that even their ceremonial, their ceremonial restrictions prevented them from doing the work of God. Because they couldn't touch a man with all that all that uh, mess that he had in his body and wounds, open bruises and wounds. And, and it would have immediately made them unclean. And they would not have been able to participate in the ceremony that they were getting ready to participate in. Folks, God forbid that our religious construct prevent us from getting down where people are living and needing a touch of God and needing to see God, needing to see the love of God. And God, you know what's amazing about that account is that God sent a Levite by. And the Levite missed his opportunity to be God, to show God, to demonstrate God to that man that was wounded. God sent a priest by, and that priest missed his opportunity to demonstrate God and to show the love of God to that man. And because the Levite wouldn't do it, and because the priest wouldn't do it, God had to raise up a Samaritan called him the good Samaritan and then he looked at his disciples he said you go and do likewise you know what if we miss the point we'll miss the mark we're trying to we're trying to press toward the mark but if we miss the point we'll miss the mark it's time to it's time to get our eyes focused on loving 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 one another loving people loving God Loving God, loving people, loving one another, loving one another, loving people, loving God, loving God, loving people, loving one another. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can we do it right now? God, I need you to give me a new love. Hallelujah. One that is willing to suffer long. One that is, is not willing to envy and be puffed up. Not one that is proud. Hallelujah. Not one that will hold a grudge or be unforgiving. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But one that will reach out to my, to my fellow man. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord together right now in the name of Jesus. Let's love the Lord together right now in the name of Jesus. Blessed be your holy name, oh God. Blessed be your holy name, oh God. Lord, touch those people in Mexico City right now in the name of Jesus. Let the love of God come down upon them. Lord, the suffering and the anguish of those families, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that the healing balm of Gilead would come down upon those families. And in your divine wisdom, somehow, somehow make this better. Somehow, Lord, we don't know how. We're finite. But you, in your infinite wisdom, in your unparalleled love, in your perfect love, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll minister to them right now, oh God. Lord, everybody being affected by the Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, I pray, Lord God, that you would move upon that nation, that that, that territory. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would minister to those people. Lord God, I pray you'll deliver them out of the snare of the fowler. Let your love be felt. Let your love be demonstrated. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 All across this building. Let's stand to our feet right now. Let's let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts. Let's let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Let's let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's love Him right now. Let's love Him right now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. 
Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Jesus went to the cross. He suffered so that he could have fellowship with you in your suffering. You do not have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of your infirmities. The high priest we have can indeed be accessed through the feelings of our infirmities. Do you have a feeling of infirmity tonight? Do you have a feeling of weakness tonight? Do you have a feeling of vulnerability tonight? Do you have a feeling of, of, of deep pain? I want you to reach up to God in Jesus' name because He is love. He is the love that you're seeking. He is the love that you're looking for. And let Him minister to you His great salvation. Oh, bless His holy name. Oh, bless His holy name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, bless His holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, how I love Jesus. Yes, because He 